This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, welcome to Town Hall Academy number 317. Using my dashboard to find trends. It's Carm Capriato constantly and always helping you improve your world, your life. As we uh, have this great ministry, which Bill Nalu recently coined, it's our ministry of advancing the aftermarket. Thank you, Bill, for that. I so appreciate that. We have a great panel. I'll introduce them in a minute, but we want to thank our great, great sponsors. Talk my shopware. Now, when you work on your 15th Dodge Caravan, why do you have to enter the same information each time? Well, with shopware, never rewrite a service job again. Just create a canned job and boom. You get rolling right away. GetShopware.com. And with over 2,300 SKUs and 95% sales coverage on fuel pumps, Delphi has everything you need to replace your customer's fuel pump. From OEM quality pumps, modules, GDI pumps, and fuel tank cleaning supplies to instructional videos. Get started. Talk to my friends at DelphiAftermarket.com. Here's my great panel, Jimmy Aluria, 3A Automotive and Diesel Repair, Phoenix, Arizona. Jimmy. Hi, Carm. Good to have you here, my friend. Brent Fleshman, Yokum Automotive, uh, Republic, Missouri. Correct. Hi, Carm. Hi, Jimmy. What's it? Is it official? Missouri, Missouri? You know, everybody says it differently. Most of the older generation say Missouri, uh, and the younger Missouri is is what I've come across. I probably should just go Google it. Brett, first time on the podcast, uh, 22 years in the industry, 17 years as a shop owner, and uh, in a 20-peer group, which happens to be meeting right now. You're in a hotel room, right? Yes, sir. In Raleigh, North Carolina, our group starts meeting tomorrow, and we run through Monday, so got a lot of heavy hitters in our group, a really nice group. One of the oldest uh, 20 groups in the nation. Started in 1993. Wow. Interesting. Love to hear more about that. Look at guys. Jimmy, you've been on the show before, a great contributor to what we do here. Uh, Just type in Jimmy Aloria and listen to his stuff on our website. Okay. Dashboards. I'm fascinated with dashboards because I'm a visual learner. And to me, a dashboard not only comes up with numbers, but if you allow it, you can start seeing graphs on stuff that show trends. So Jimmy, I think you're kind of like me. You want to see dimension to the data. When I first started uh, learning auto repair, really, I mean, I studied statistics in college, but they it wasn't the type of statistics that we use in business. You know, ranges and variations didn't do me any good when I was looking at how do I make more money in the shop. You know, the graphs gave the numbers dimension. So you could see trends going up or down or flatlined. You know, like if something's not improving, profit, for example, should improve over time because if it's not, then we're actually not making as much net profit because expenses are going up. So we've always used statistical graphs, you know, with our key metrics. So gross sales, average RO, number of ROs, technician hours. We're not just looking at those numbers. We actually want to see them on a graph for 13, 14 weeks um, at a time. And then you can look at a monthly, you know, we have some graphs that we do monthly, but mostly they're weekly graphs. Guys, do graphs give you some better clarity as to actually the direction that you want it to go? For example, if you looked at the numbers and you say, oh, let me see, well, we made 25,000 last month and 20,000 this month. And you say, all right, well, blah, 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 blah. We had a stumble. This happened. We had a little rainstorm or whatever. And then you go by. But if you see this incredible dip on a, on a damn graph, 
it almost has more power to move you to literally say, I don't want to ignore this. Let's talk about it, team. Brent, am I speaking right here? You are correct. Because a lot of times on a graph, when you see that big dip go down, you're like, holy crap, where did I fall off the cliff and what happened there? You know, you can go back and you can analyze and go back and look through, you know, pull up different graphs to look and see what caused that big dip in, let's say, our our net profit dollars for last week. What caused that? Did we just have two jobs that went sideways or do we have possibly um, some communication errors as far as how many cars we can get done in a day or lots of different things go into that. So there's several graphs you can look at to get to the conclusion of why you had that big dip on one. Guys, let's talk about the whole dashboard thing and the accountability. I mean, I know you must be sharing this with your team. Jimmy, I know you are. Brent, are you? Yes, I am. So the accountability piece, I mean, we have goals. First of all, I don't think you would be in the position you are in the 20 group or have the size businesses that you have if you did not have goals, uh, monthly, uh, yearly goals. When you take your goals up against that dashboard, there's an accountability piece there for your team, yes? For sure. When you did our shop tour, I showed you our, we call it the Organizational Information Center. And it's basically all the statistics that we're watching. It is the dashboard, if you will. And it shows you know, the overall shop revenue, average RO, profits, new customers, um, sales per service advisor, average RO per service advisor, technician hours. You know, so there's multiple things that you're looking at, both as a, a whole organization, but then there's the individual accountability portion of that as well. We're not there to post these graphs to make anybody wrong, or if you do that in today's world, you're going to lose good people and good technicians. But there's a competitive nature in most people as well. When you put a graph up, you know, and they're at 42 hours, and then the top guy is at 62 hours, that they want to get to 62. They want to beat them the next week. Good, healthy competition is healthy for the business. So yeah, there's an accountability portion, but it's also, you know, we talked about graphs over numbers. I can look at a car count issue and probably tell you whether there was a a lack of, of a number of phone calls outbound or emails out or how much marketing did we send several weeks before that, that would indicate that, hey, we dropped on our outflow And here now, six weeks later, we're seeing a drop in our car count. It's like proof. And it's almost to the point where you could right the wrong on how often you're looking at the data, Jimmy. So you're posting it daily? We post those weekly. Still, if you're two weeks in and you start seeing the data is not smelling right, then you can stop and ask the question, What's going on? Why does anyone think? I mean, the, the collaborative think based on how those charts, graphs, dashboards are showing could prevent a not paying attention to it. At the end of the month, we're saying, woe is us. Right. It's funny you say, do you graph them daily? One of the things that's on my battle plan today when I go in is I'm going to create a graph for daily production per technician that they report on completed hours every day. Because we lost a good guy on Monday. He gave notice and took a different job because his hours weren't where he felt like they should be on a consistent basis. And I looked at the graph and I go, yeah, it dipped down. There was some illness and stuff like that. Last week, he did 38 hours. But I go, 
we didn't handle this early enough. We need to know where these guys are at. I mean, I, I want the guys between eight and eight and 10 hours every day, right? If the service manager and the shop manager don't know where their guys are at on a daily basis, by Friday, it's too late to fix that. There are certain numbers you have to be watching daily. Right. What are some of the numbers you pay close attention to? So I have several and the dashboards that we really utilize in the shop are mainly from our POS system and then also from our uh, CRM system. So the things that we're looking for um, on a daily basis is close ratios, average written estimates, average repair orders, technician hours. Those are all available to everybody within my shop and my coach and everybody. So they can look at them and we can go over those daily. Because if we see a trend where we're not, let's say our average written estimate has went down, well, is that an issue with scheduling? Is that an issue with the type of vehicles that we brought in for the week? Is that maybe a technician that's having a hard time with a particular job or something going on with home that's not allowing him to do you know, proper inspections and there, therefore the estimate's not getting written properly and we're not selling as much as what we should be on those cars and doing the the really good courtesy inspections for our customers. Brent, I want to keep you uh, on this conversation. So you see some stuff that it's not indicative to where the goals were for the month, for whatever portion of the month, say you say a two week period. Are you looking to redirect anything? You know, you're asking the why questions. Why do you think we are? And then what can we do about it? Yes, we do. Especially with scheduling. We are not a shop that um, schedules two weeks out. We just never have been that shop. We are always the shop that's maybe two to three days out. You know, when I start seeing the trends of, you know, hey, we don't have quite enough hours to make it through the week. What can we do differently? So, we do some really quick marketing pieces that go out. We do some some texting out to the customers, some of those, you know, slow day texts, things like that, just to, you know, help bump the schedule to get us to where we need to be for that week and, and get us geared for the following week. We always have the toe-ins and all of that stuff, but scheduling has always been a challenge in this industry. I think it always will be it. It's probably one of the hardest things I think we do at our shop is the scheduling of the cars. What say you, Jimmy? Yeah, I agree. I mean, our shop has been always been like that, where in this industry, a lot of times, especially right now, where people will wear this, how many days out are you? Are you one or two weeks? And they raise their hand like, I'm two weeks backed up. It's like a badge of honor. And it's like, you know, realize how much business you're probably losing if you're that far out. I was with a friend last week in Florida. His dad is 94 years old. He started a shop up in uh, Battle Creek area, Michigan. And I was talking to his dad and he goes, yeah, he goes, I take my car for an oil change over to an old competitor of ours when I'm up in Michigan because the guy who bought our shop is two weeks backed up and he can't get me in for an oil change, you know? <laughs> it's like, and he was saying, he's like, he doesn't realize how much business he's losing. Yeah. So you're watching that all the time. In fact, one of the metrics that we watch daily is our number of appointments for five days. So like today, they're looking at Monday through Friday of next week. Uh, how many appointments do we have booked? And I've done some estimates on for every appointment that we have, 
how many will actually drop off. And it's usually about half are drop off and half are by appointment. So if I have 30 booked appointments, I can count on that I'm at 60 cars for that next five days. You know, it's a rough number, but it gives me an idea and it, and it puts the pressure on the office to make sure that we are booking up for enough work. So if a, te- a text blast needs to be go-, go out or or individual emails and phone calls need to go out, those types of things are, those are the, the little gauges that everybody needs to be watching all the time to make sure that the shop stays profitable. If you run more than one shop, you know how vital it is to keep up with how each one is performing. But it can drive you crazy to log in and out of each shop's database as you try to compare KPIs. Well, look, stop making it hard. With Shopware's advanced analytics, you can easily pull all that data into one report. Heck, you can even set up the system to pump it out in a graph or a chart and then email it to you anytime you want. Why tax your brain before you even start looking for trends and wins to celebrate? Let the computer do the work for you. Spend less time sifting through pages of numbers. Now, once you see your business's potential right in front of you, you can take steps to make it even better. And then you can take a night off to enjoy the time you just won back. Benefit, go with the team that created DVX. My friends at GetShopware.com. As the trusted aftermarket brand for over 100 years, Delphi Technologies is by your side for every step of the repair process. The Delphi journey doesn't stop once the parts are ordered. Wherever your journey takes you, our quality parts gives you ease of mind when getting your customer's vehicle back on the road. Technicians know and trust Delphi as a quality brand. Each product undergoes rigorous testing to not only meet OE standards, but also enhance it in each opportunity. From 700 hours of spray testing on chassis components to fuel pumps tested for reliability up to 150,000 miles. And safety and reliability is paramount to help vehicles drive cleaner, better, and further throughout their lives. Delphi is also committed in developing products and services to prepare technicians for the future. Take advantage of how-to videos on YouTube, technician-led trainings, and our technical support line and more. Turn to the aftermarket parts supplier with over 100 years of OEM trust and quality. Learn more about Delphi. Visit DelphiAftermarket.com. Guys, I can't emphasize enough a wise, respected, uh, if you will, business mentor that I had many years ago. He would always put his arm around me and say, Carm, pay attention. Just pay attention. Now, when you are an entrepreneur shop owner today, there's only like 900 things that you need to pay attention to, right? I mean, really, literally, if you pay attention, you record it, you write it down, you throw it on the to-do list, you delegate it, you still can't normally get to all the things you're supposed to pay attention to. And the objective of having a dashboard, if you will, if it's automated as you could possibly get it in the pull through of the numbers and then the cool graphical interfaces is if you put these top, I don't know, dozen numbers that really will make a difference each and every week there, then the management team needs to huddle over them. I don't think it's your total responsibility, Brent, is it? No, it's not. And I do rely upon my service advisors. I have one service advisor. She's been with me for 15 years now, and she will really take the lead on a lot of those things, especially when I'm doing other things, coaching or doing 20 group stuff or just simply on vacation. She takes the reins and runs with that. Her name is Casey, a wonderful, wonderful service advisor and really does a great job of 
of taking hold of the things at the shop when I'm not available or even when I'm there. She's watching those numbers, looking at the trends within the shop and trying to uh, decipher those and make corrections as we go. Each of you, give me your top five that you're really paying attention to. Definitely gross income. We have a statistic on production. It's called the value of services delivered. That's different than income because sometimes you take deposits. So value of services delivered, which is basically closed repairs, average RO, number of ROs, and gross profit dollars and uh, and new customers. I love the new customer number. And Jimmy, any idea what your average new customers are a month? I mean, are you getting 30% uh, of your ROs in new? Right now, it's about 25%. We're, we see about 10 a week. So Is that a stat that the team knows? The phone rings. It's an opportunity because, uh, well, people die. They move away. Sometimes they have a bad experience. You always got to keep the funnel full. Carm, I changed the way that my offices run around that. You know, we spend so much money on Google, on on direct mail, getting referrals, all that stuff. And if you don't have enough people in your front office to be able to spend the time that it takes to get somebody in the door, like in the diesel business with us, a new customer could be a $10,000 job. You know what I mean? So, so your question is... A new customer's calling in. How much time does a service advisor have to spend with them? As much time as it takes to get them to come in and let us look at their car. As a quick side note, let's just put this whole dashboard thing on hold. Jim, fleets, you have a full-time person recruiting fleets? No. Okay. I don't. It's mostly been word of mouth for us. Well, the diesel part of our business brings in a lot of them just through organic searches and things like that. But no, we have not gone actively after that business. Okay. Thank you. I've got an episode coming up on fleet business. That's the reason that I ask. I always love to tie my episodes together. Hey, Brent, um, your top five dashboard. The top five uh, number of inspections performed. I also look at the quality of inspections, average written estimate, average repair order, and our close ratio. I think the close ratio is really a great indicator of how well we're doing inspections, how well we're presenting our inspections to the customer and the type of buy-in that we can get from the customer. You know, I'm always looking for that close percentage to be anywhere between 60 and 75%. I figure if we're at 75%, we're really kind of hitting it out of the park as far as presenting things because there's always going to be jobs that just don't get approved. But if we can be up at that 75%, that means we're estimating enough and we're presenting everything that we do find on the vehicle to the customer. One of the things, Jimmy, that I, I heard him say, to me, this is in the sales realm, number of inspections, the quality of inspections, the written estimates, the close ratio. That's all about driving top line sales. Yeah, it's a great metric to watch because if that close ratio gets too high, you're going to look yeah. at two areas. You're going to look at what kind of inspections am I getting from the technicians? And then the what are the service advisors actually trying to sell? If it's too high, you got somebody who's selling 90% baloney. There's yeah. no way. You know, on some jobs, yes, you're going to, but if you come into an average, something's not right. Either you're not getting enough from the technicians or the service advisors aren't doing that. It, you know, because you get into this game and you're pushing the wrong numbers with service advisors, especially, you get into this game where, oh yeah, I closed 90%. Let's look at the inspections. I mean, are they bidding out everything that came on that's, you know, yellow or, or red? Or and they're just not telling the customer about, you know, any of the stuff that's coming up and the stuff that's that fringe, you know. I mean, like you're not gonna sell everything every time, nor do you want to. 
So I agree. It's like if that percentage is too high or too low, you should be gives you an indication to go look in that area and find the right why. Brent, we hear an awful lot about the 300% rule on inspections. One of your written estimates that it was presented or you just wanted to make sure it was written? I want to make sure that it's presented. I have with my POS system, I can track to make sure that those are presented at least digitally to the customer. Through a different system, I can track whether or not we made an outgoing phone call to that customer. But at least I can watch and make sure that they were digitally presented and that the customer opened them up and saw them and was able to accept or decline those through our POS system. Because going back to the close ratios, if those close ratios are really high, then, you know, we've become then just a shop that is just going to fix what is wrong on your vehicle what you brought it in for, or if it just came in for an oil change, if that close ratio is high, that means we're just doing the oil change. And that's not where we want to be. We want to be presenting everything to the customer every time that it comes in. It's our duty to tell the customer what's wrong with their vehicle. They may not like what we say about it, but it's still our job to do that for them. Guys, are you using this for any kind of expense analysis? I mean, by looking at uh, graphical designs on where your expenses are heading. Have you ever done that? I look at metrics on cost of labor, cost of parts. Those are direct costs, obviously. But definitely a big one for me is percentage of expense on marketing. And if I'm too low on that number, I mean, my wife and I are, we are still very involved in our marketing. She runs that, that area, you know, but I'll look at and say, I have budget here because I want to put a certain percentage every single month back into the marketing to grow the company. You know, we're in a growth. We're trying to grow. Like I have, I have room. So let's talk about that. You've got a budget you'd love to spend each and every month, but if your sales are up through the roof to another 20% and you're seeing, wow, oh my God, look at that. My marketing is a percent of my sales went down. Well, because the sales went up and what you're basically saying is we have some extra money that we can spend based on whatever your number, three, four, five, six percent of sales. Frankly, I think that's a really good expense to keep an eye on. Oh, yeah. I mean, anytime that we've been in growth mode, just like Jimmy has for years. And as that growth continues to grow up, we just keep throwing more marketing dollars towards that growth. I mean, we don't want to become stagnant just because we've had a couple of good years in a row. If we stop that marketing now, then who knows, three, four, six months down the road, we could be begging for cars to come in. Whereas right now, if we keep up the marketing, keep throwing dollars at it with the right marketing and um, we'll continue the growth. Guys, I'm inspired by this discussion. I would love to wrap this up with this particular discussion about personal productivity of your team, your peoples. And I know you track that. How important is that for a technician, a service advisor, a shop manager to take a look at that data and have the team look at it. Is there any kind of spirit that goes on to try to beat the day or to to reach their numbers? And if there is, is it valuable, positive, negative? Everybody's got to have a statistic. I mean, literally every person in the business, even our customer service rep has numbers that she's, she's got outflow numbers that she's doing, appointments book numbers that she's following. The service advisors have their gross sales, average RO, gross profit numbers that they're looking at. And the technicians are, are you know, they're flagged hours. We're not fully uh, flat rate, but we're a hybrid system. 
So it's very important to them, to their survival and their prosperity, that they're in tune with what's going on with their hours and their productivity. So we're definitely setting the mark, setting the targets every week on Mondays. We have our whole team meeting and we're setting the weekly targets you know, for the team based on those numbers. Yeah. All of my technicians are on flat rate, but they are highly incentivized for, um, you know, meeting certain expectations on number of hours, oh, number of pictures on inspections. Then with my service advisors, the way that they are um, paid is by a gross profit percentage. That number is huge to them. So they're always measuring that number. I mean, if not every couple of hours, at least twice a day, they're looking at those numbers for the shop overall, because that's where their income comes from. So everybody is highly aware of the numbers they need to get to, uh, to make uh, the number of dollars that they want to make. Excellent points, guys. Brett, do you do any kind of uh, morning meeting? We have a breakfast meeting every Friday morning and then once a month. We have a uh, actually bring your own dish uh, into the shop and we usually have a team building exercise at that time. And so we take about an hour to hour and a half on that one. But that happens once a month, maybe every month and a half. But we do have a meeting every Friday morning. Excellent. Jimmy, how about you? Uh, the shop does a morning meeting before every day. The service advisors go over with the whole team. Uh, the, the manager goes over the service advisor and the whole team, what, what's going on. And then we do our weekly meeting on Fridays. And then they have a, a Thursday production meeting as well that the, just the service manager and the manager have that. So they're looking at production problems and anything like that. So the naysayers that say, oh, we don't need meetings. This is bogus. My people aren't going to hang around a meeting. And I asked you that for a reason. And that is that I continue to always try to advance the aftermarket and, and tell people, oh, I'm hearing that again about Carmi's. I was talking about having meetings. I don't want to have meetings. I don't want to get up early. I don't want to get in front of my people. And we've done enough episodes to say you don't have to lead the meeting, but your people can. And you can, you've got five people in the shop, then there's five people that lead it every, every week, right? Everybody has a chance. But I heard a great sports analogy, and that is before every single play, they have a meeting. It's called a huddle. It's <laughs> so true. And there are people whose brain power are getting together and saying, how are we going to offend or defend our possession? And so if you could take that sports analogy into the meetings and the value of what dashboards mean, I think it's powerful too, always. I used to teach a dispatching class and it's like, it's like the hardest class in the world for anybody <laughs> to grasp because it's like, you know, you're going to sit down in the morning and figure out who's going to do what for that day. And I used to say, look, there's a caveat to this. You're going to do this, you know, this uh, battle plan of who's going to do what. And what are the chances at 805 that this is going to change? 100%. 100%. And so you need to have those meetings throughout the day, even if it's like a one or two minute meeting, just to see where everything's at, what's going to leave for the day, or, you know, who do we need to call? Like, you know, different areas of the shop need to be, need to gather together, make sure everybody's on the same page. Well, good stuff, guys. Uh, Let me just sum up what this great episode was about. It was about dashboarding. And it was about improved decision-making, increased productivity, enhanced collaboration amongst the team and accountability. And if you say, yeah, he's right, we got to do this stuff, then just reach out to your friend, to your peer. I mean, if you're in a networking group, you're doing this, trust me, right? You're not getting out of it. And so we're taking... 
the great wisdom from uh, Jimmy and, and Brent as an example, who are all about coaching and networking and sharing it with you to motivate you to take your business to the next level. Thank you so much, Jimmy Aloria from 3 Automotive and Diesel in Phoenix, Arizona, and Brent Fleshman, who found some time from a, in a hotel room to be with us from Yokum Automotive, Republic, Missouri. And uh, appreciate you guys being on so much. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Carm. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time. 